Duke's Mayo. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it, too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Duke's is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Duke's. It's got twang. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. All right, Natalie. So this week, we are bringing the listeners a really well-known case. It was actually a listener request from Taylor. Yep. Thanks, Taylor, for the request. Yes. Thank you, Taylor. We do like requests, and we try and mix in lots of different types of cases on our podcast, which if you have been listening for a while, hopefully you kind of feel that some common ones, some lesser known, we try and um, mix it up and do the best we can. While the case is really well known in the true crime community, it is still unsolved. So trigger warning for those that have a tough time with unsolved cases, but we hope you stick around. This is the case of Abby Williams and Libby Germain, otherwise known as the Delphi murders. Abby Williams was 13 years old and Libby Germain was 14 years old. They were both in eighth grade and best friends living in Delphi, Indiana, when this murder takes place in 2017. Abby was kind and joyful. She loved music, art, animals, and people. Libby was adventurous. She excelled at math and science. And she was also pretty athletic. And some of the pictures I've seen of her are so cute it, with her bat and her softball uniform. And she actually was on the softball team at school and had convinced Abby to join the softball team with her, which is really sweet that they were able to be on the same team as best friends. Oh, I'm sure that they absolutely loved it. At that time in your life, there's just nothing better, right? An extra time with your best friend. Love it. On Monday, February 13th, 2017, the girls had woken up at Libby's grandparents' house. So they were together like always. And Libby actually lived with her grandma, her dad, and her sister at her grandparents' house. So this was basically Abby sleeping at Libby's house when you think about it. Her grandparents actually had legal custody of Libby, correct? I know the dad was in the picture and living there as well. But in terms of the custody agreements of Libby and her sister, Kelsey, um, I'm not sure. But it sounds like maybe you read some good stuff. No, I mean, there's there's so much to this case and there's 
there's just a lot of things about these little girls that are out there. Um, some of it correct, some of it incorrect. And that just goes with what happens with unsolved cases. So right. um, that is in question. But yes, Libby lived at the grandparents' house, regardless of how and why the dad was living there, too. We are talking about Indiana here. However, it was a very beautiful and warm day in February. It was a Monday. And they actually had this Monday off of school. Do we know why they had that day off specifically? With it being February 13th, this is around like Lincoln's birthday, President's Day, those types of days that um, it's around the time that schools typically take a day off. I do know that where it snows, even though I grew up in California, they do sometimes build in a snow day as well. So I've actually heard both, that it was like a built-in snow day or it was President's Day, or maybe they took the idea of combining both. Um, I don't know too much more, but they did have a three-day weekend that um, went through Monday and they were ready to enjoy it. With it being Indiana, again, where it snows and it can get cold, they were ready to go take advantage of this. And I think that their parents and their families really encouraged this too because it was finally a day that they could go outside and just enjoy being outdoors again for the day. With that, they came up with some plans to go to a local trail. Kelsey, Libby's older sister, who is a badass, and yeah, she is. you'll get to know more about her, and I've got some links in the show notes um, that include some badassery, so I'm, I love her. She's awesome. So shout out to Kelsey. Kelsey, being the older sister, by a few years, did have her driver's license and dropped them off at the trail around 1.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine with teenagers, they probably kind of woke up, got their cereal down their gullet, and then decided, okay, it's time to go out, right? And even though Kelsey was maybe a couple years older than Abby and Libby, she still played the role of the responsible older sister. Because I do remember seeing in the resources that I looked through that even though it was an unseasonably warm day in February in this Indiana town, she made Abby and Libby come back to the car and grab their jackets or their sweaters so they wouldn't be cold on the hike. And I definitely can relate as a big sister. You know, you're always looking out for your younger sister, no matter how much older you are, or you know what I mean? No matter the age difference. Yeah. And that moment is actually really important to Kelsey or what it seemed to me um, in interviews, because that's one of the last moments that she actually saw her sister. Right. And she did indeed tell them, hey, don't try and leave these sweaters in this car. You guys got to put those on. If it's unseasonably warm, I mean, who knows how warm it was, but yeah, they probably could have still needed to have just bundled up a little bit and you never know because we're getting into the afternoon here, you know, sun goes down. So they needed them. And that's actually one of the last moments Kelsey had with them. And I, I love that interaction too, because it shows that they did have a really good relationship with one another. You know, as sisters, sometimes things can be a little hairy, you know, between an older and younger sister, but it sounds like They really cared about each other. And so I just wanted to emphasize that sweet moment. Yeah. And actually, I have a quote that she refers to Libby as her best friend. 
So they had a sweet relationship, definitely. So with dropping them off and making the girls grab their sweaters before they went off, um, Libby's dad, Derek, was scheduled to pick the girls up around 3 p.m. So they had an hour and a half or so to walk the trail, enjoy the nature, be together, and just hang out and enjoy the pretty weather. At 2.07 p.m., Libby posted a picture on Snapchat. And this picture is of Abby. And Abby's walking down an old railroad bridge. It's called Manon High Bridge, and it runs over a creek. And this creek is referred to as Deer Creek. At 3.07 p.m., so about an hour later, Libby's dad calls Libby to let the girls know that he would be arriving pretty soon at the designated pickup spot. And he was going to be there really quick. So, you know, the kind of like the get ready to go kind of thing. Like right. walk to the spot kind of thing. Libby didn't answer the call. He didn't think too much right away. But when he arrives a few minutes later, around 3.11 p.m., the girls were not at the pickup spot and they didn't answer another phone call. So he decides to start walking down the trail, tries to call her. You know, again, the amount of phone calls gets a little bit fuzzy when it comes to what the different resources and interviews have said. But basically, what we need to take away is he's arriving just after 3 p.m. and he's attempting to call and he does start to try and walk down the trail to see, you know, like, can I see them? Where are they? You know? Right. They're busted kind of thing. Like, get here now. Um, After a few more attempts of trying to reach the girls, he calls Libby's grandma, Becky. That's his mom for our listeners, just as a reminder. And he was letting her know that he couldn't find the girl. So basically, he's just like, hey, mom, like, what the heck do I do? Like, I can't can't find my daughter and her best friend. And by 4 p.m., other family members arrive and they start helping to look for the girls. Maybe they're hurt. Who knows what the heck's going on? But they're looking for them and they don't really understand what could be happening. It really is a time of confusion for the family. And they quickly start realizing that something just isn't right. And within about an hour, hour and a half, uh, the girls are reported missing. So about 5, 5.30, also have seen different reporting on the time. The girls were reported missing and the police got involved uh, in the search for Abby and Libby. You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Imagine a vacation waiting outside your door when you get home. Discover a new way to escape the stress of everyday life. Picture soothing jets massaging your back, relieving all your aches and pains. Sleep soundly without medications or supplements. Call 1-877-861-4672 to get $1,250 in instant savings, including free delivery. Call 877-861-4672 now or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. No family members believed that they would have ran away or anything like that. Police start to wonder if the girls had planned to kind of meet someone in secret and not really, like, told anybody. Um, So they start to scour their social media accounts to see if they can find any evidence of some sort of 
third or additional party or parties that maybe they would have been with, that they were trying to meet up with, or that could have been involved in why they weren't where they're supposed to be. They didn't end up finding any evidence or clues that the girls were with anybody but each other. Right. So they kind of had to let that go. This sort of story that police were wondering about kind of reminded me about my friend and I in junior high, back when AIM was still a thing and all the chat rooms, and it was just, like, so dangerous. We ended up sending this total creep, like, a picture of, like, a model we cut out of Cosmo Girl. What? And then when he wanted to meet up, we just thought it was so funny because we sent him to some, like, a random Starbucks, and we're like, yeah, we're not going to be there. Oh, my God. It was just this creepy dude with, like, you just know you can look at a picture and know someone's a creep. It was like that. And so <sighs> this picture, he was just this older creep. Like, he was he was older. Like, it, probably to us in junior high, it could have been 30s, 40s, 50s. I don't really remember. But he was older. And we sent him off to Starbucks. Like, some random ace Starbucks. And we will never forget it. So even we knew at that point, at Abby and Libby's age, not to meet with strangers not to meet with strangers and we even tease them a little bit as you can see oh man honestly i'm surprised at this point in my life that nothing ever happened to me as a eighth grader and seventh grader sixth grader on aim and in chat rooms i'm so thankful it was a scary place and they still are they still kind of exist and they're still a scary space but I don't think that the family believed that they would do something like that, like meet up with a stranger. Right. Much like my friend and I knew not to. But, you know, sometimes it's hard to say no and the idea is tempting, you know, for for kids, Um, especially when you think you're talking to somebody in your peer group and maybe you've got a crush. So anyways, it's a scary place. And that story was just kind of like a funny little tangent. Um, Well, and I guess it also... It emphasizes how mature we we think we are at 13 and 14. You think you're invincible and you don't realize that there are older people out there who don't always have your best interests in mind. Right. And we don't want to rule anything out until this case is solved. I already mm-hmm. spoiled that, if you will. So right now, we'll get back to what was going on with the search. And at this point, the police were involved but social media also soon caught wind. And the entire community just really got up in arms about how terrible this was and how scary it was that these two young girls were missing and a huge search party formed that same night that they went missing. We're still on that same day. The word had sped really quickly. This is such a small community where nothing bad ever happens. Ever. And so everyone in in town they know who Abby and Libby are or they know who the family is. And so they have this personal connection to these girls and they know that if their own kids or if they themselves are missing, the community would be out there searching for them too. So this is kind of one of those things. We're all in this together. So yeah, it's a very tight-knit community. And with that, the police and fire departments start organizing the people that want to help search. So they're like, okay, you guys, this is a group, this is a group, this is how we're going to do it. So people- They're forming search parties. They're forming search parties, exactly. 
As time passed, while everyone's searching and the girls weren't found, the families started figuring out more and more that maybe the girls were in danger, right? Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they were abducted. Things start to really settle in because for a little while there, they were hoping they were just going to find them and feel like they wanted to ground them for life. Right. I actually remember from the Down the Hill podcast that I listened to, I don't know, a few weeks ago, that Abby's mom specifically was working at the time. She worked at a a place similar to Applebee's. I can't remember where exactly, Mm -hmm. but she was on a shift at that point and she got a call that Abby and Libby were missing. And she's thinking, all right, those knuckleheads, what are they doing? She sent her friend down to go help search. Right. And so really at the beginning, she wasn't worried. She just figured, you know, they got distracted, whatever. And I think around this point, she's starting to realize and well, everyone involved is starting to realize that this is more serious than they expected initially. I think it also just goes to show how little of a possibility it was that what happened to them actually happened, even though it did happen. Or how small of a possibility in the townspeople's minds that this could happen where they live. Right. And and all of it together, you got a safe community, but then yes, you've got that sense of the community not believing that it could happen here. So everyone, while searching for them, doesn't necessarily know exactly what they're going to find. And just the fact that they went missing during broad daylight. Broad daylight, middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And now that it's getting dark, they're realizing if we couldn't find them during the day, are we going to be able to find them at night in the dark? Right. And they did search through the night until midnight. That's when the search was suspended. However, people stayed back and continued to search by flashlight. All the so on their own though, like pretty much on their own law enforcement. Yeah. I'm sure that they learned a lot by the organization of the police and fire departments in terms of like what the search parties looked like. Uh, But they kind of just refused to suspend when the departments did, which, you know, is, is fine as long as you're not going to trample a crime scene. So, you know, there's given, there's take there, but that just shows you how badly they wanted to find them. And rightfully so law enforcement all the while was hoping that it was just a situation of the girls knew that they were in a lot of trouble and were just extending their quote adventure end quote to avoid getting in trouble and prolong facing their impending grounding or punishments and just extending it because of that and one of the things that law enforcement even told them was like, look, the last movie gets out in 30 minutes. So like maybe they met up with a couple of boys and they went to a, a late movie. And that type of thought was still here, even when the search party was being suspended. Mm-hmm. But they still, of course, were extremely careful during their search. And really, it was a situation of expecting the worst, hoping for the best, if you will. So they had this hope that they were just in a movie theater, but they, of course, were expecting the worst by searching the surrounding area to see if they were harmed or whatever you might find when you're searching for someone. The next day, Valentine's Day 2017, they organized again and the search continued. And this is when the first piece of the puzzle was found. Around noon, Kelsey, Libby's sister, is participating in the search 
and she is searching with her organized group. And someone in that group yells out to just anybody in the surrounding area for confirmation about what the girls were wearing, specifically the shoes that they were wearing. This person had found a shoe that belonged to Libby right below the bridge, the railroad bridge. So they were down kind of in the creek area. It's kind of hard to understand having never been there and only like Google Earthed and watched interviews, um, specifically the interview of Kelsey. She's really explaining the situation and she'll never forget it. So immediately somebody that was in the group or in the immediate area kind of stops Kelsey because Kelsey confirmed that, yes, that would be Libby's shoe. And just almost immediately after, across the creek, they found the girls' bodies. And this is how Kelsey was terming it in the interview that I have labeled as Kelsey's powerful interview in the show notes. Uh, She starts talking about it at about the seven and a half minute mark. And it's just so heartbreaking to listen to the story of this girl searching for her sister and what was exactly happening at the moment when their bodies were found. Is your daily grind getting you down? A thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Imagine a vacation waiting outside your door when you get home. Discover a new way to escape the stress of everyday life. Picture soothing jets massaging your back, relieving all your aches and pains. Sleep soundly without medications or supplements. Call 1-877-861-4672 to get $1,250 in instant savings, including free delivery. Call 877-861-4672 now or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. So she was a bit shielded. And what I think is really a serendipitous moment is that somebody in the search group with her had also lost a sibling. And they knew that they needed to protect Kelsey, who would have been a lot younger at the time. We're talking four years ago. She's about 20, 21 now. They shielded her from seeing the bodies And Kelsey explains this whole situation in a way that I never will be able to. So definitely at least check that part of the video out, about seven and a half minute mark. Thank God for that person Mm -hmm. to have the foresight to say, hey, why don't you not go over there? Because I don't care how old you are. That's not something that you would ever be able to get out of your mind. You know, seeing a loved one deceased. That's right. And these bodies, of course, were deceased and they were confirmed to be Abby and Libby. Autopsies were conducted and DNA was collected. That is about what we know, at least as appropriate to express onto the podcast about what the autopsy showed and what DNA and stuff was collected because the case is still holding a lot of this information really tightly. Right. Even the families were kept a bit in the dark to protect the case as much as possible. That is a huge undertaking because this tragedy hit the mainstream 
national news cycle so quickly. Right. I mean, I remember just from looking into this case years ago that the police have been exceptionally tight-lipped on every little piece of information that they're willing to let go into the, the, you know, the world. But it also makes you wonder the way they were killed. Was it that bad? Like, I know. Was it as horrible as we had let our imaginations go to? Or is it just one of those things where this is all they have? And so they know that they can't let that information out. Otherwise, they won't be able to catch the killer. You know what I mean? Because maybe that's the one piece of information that they have. Right. And when you have a missing loved one, what we have consistently heard from those that we know who have missing loved ones, from just watching interviews of people who have missing loved ones, et cetera, especially when a case is unsolved, especially when a case is unsolved, there are creepos out there. During that interview that I was talking about where Kelsey is talking about her experience when they found the shoe and then the bodies, it was more of like a radio podcast setup where phone calls were involved mm-hmm. and strange numbers kept calling. And it was like a few different, like really creepy people that kept being really weird. And then they kept like hanging up and trying to mute them. And then they would unmute. It's bizarre. So these are the things that they have to go through. Like, right. was that person involved? I don't know. I, I don't know anything about them, but it's just really weird. You get these strange people ready to pounce on and prey on people in their vulnerable state. Yeah, absolutely. So all that to say that keeping information tight when a case is unsolved, it's all for the better. Although maybe giving it could spark that one thing where somebody could be like, oh my gosh, here's what I know that piece of information led me to something. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. And so they were keeping everything really locked tight. So now we know the police have found Abby and Libby's bodies. Was there anything that us as the general public knows that they found with the bodies? Like we know the shoe is there. Are they dressed? What about the cell phones? Uh, We know that they were Snapchatting. What's going on with the rest of the fiscal evidence around them? Great question. And actually, I'm about to talk to you about some chilling clues that they uncovered that paint a horrifying picture of what happened to Abby and Libby. They did recover Libby's cell phone. Unsure if it was on her person or if it was strewn about. Mm -hmm. Could also be information that was withheld. Again, very Loctite case. On the cell phone, they find, for starters, a video. It was grainy at best, but it showed a man in broad daylight walking right towards them down that bridge. So they took this picture and or video. There's multiple things on here. They took it from the far end of that railroad bridge that I was talking about earlier, the Manon High Bridge. This guy's wearing a cap, a dark jacket, looks to be blue, jeans, and 
it looks like he's wearing either darker sneakers or some kind of hiking boot. Mm-hmm. He also has a fanny pack of some sort on. And this is me just going off what I could see of a still frame from that video that has since been turned into a, the picture. Right. That is everywhere. It's a still frame from the clip that everybody has seen. So it's become the picture. It's on flyers. It's everywhere. So it's just this guy walking. To get to the pickup spot, the girls would have had to pass this guy or wait for him to get to the other side where they were. So there was going to be no escaping them. They were going to have to pass him at some point or another. He was either going to get to them or they were going to have to pass him on this somewhat narrow bridge. It's slatted, so you can't run that easily across it either. And I've heard that if you haven't walked that bridge before, it's really something that you have to focus where you're putting your feet because the gaps are pretty big and you don't ever want to, you know, lose your footing. Right. So it's something that they wouldn't be able to run past him on because even though they've been there before, they would still have to be very careful. Because if you trip and fall and slip over, you're going down pretty far. Right. It's tall and narrow. If you've seen the movie Stand By Me, the scene where they're walking on a railroad bridge and they lean down, Gordy leans down and he feels it and it's shaking and they know a train's coming and they run. They were able to run, but even Vern falls Mm -hmm. because he trips and he falls and Gordy's got to go get him. Stand By Me is one of my favorite movies, if you haven't noticed. So with that, picture that scene. If you haven't, go watch it or check out some of the pictures that you can find online that they have because they do have circulating the picture of Abby standing on the bridge as well as that guy. And you can get a good um, sense of what we're talking about. So they can't just run past him. They're going to have to meet up with this guy somehow. And there's a couple of things that Abby's mom mentions that you kind of know um, per some of the items on Libby's phone that kind of lets you know that they were creeped out by this guy. And I'm going to be unleashing some of the stuff as we go. But they, they were kind of creeped out. They probably by this point when they're taking this video, when Libby's taking this video, they didn't want to pass this guy. It's why they're recording him, right? They're creeped out. If you watch the video, it's almost as if she's doing it inconspicuously. She's trying to get him on camera, but not obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. Like as evidence, like, look, here's this guy. I've definitely done that before. Yeah. And they also find, again, I have to give listeners discretion. It's kind of hard to understand exactly what was on that phone for many different reasons when you're researching for an episode. But what they also found was a video which gave them an audio message of this guy in a more masculine voice delivering a three-word command down the hill. And when I listen to it, I actually hear guys down the hill. But it's not all that easy to understand what's coming from where. That's actually because, and I'll thank Paul Holes for this. Please, P. Holes, we love you. 
he talks about how originally the original clip that was released was down the hill. And then a few years later, they released guys down the hill. So it was released in two parts. And that would make sense why the resources I used had it in two different ways. Mm -hmm. There we go. Thank you, P-Holes. So they want to know, whose voice was this? Who is this guy in the video? And what does down the hill mean? Yeah. And down the hill would have taken the girls away from the bridge and towards the creek where the bodies were found. They're able to go down the hill because they're at the edge of the bridge. So I just want to kind of repaint that picture for listeners. You've got the guy coming down the bridge. They're taking video pictures, whatever. And he's telling them go down the hill because if the bridge, if they're at the edge of the bridge, they could physically walk down a hill down to the creek and away from the bridge. This is also near the area where their bodies were found. So now we know that this is possibly the last person to have seen them alive. Most likely. This person led them in the direction of where their bodies were found. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away. Like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. This video torments the family and law enforcement, but it was crucial evidence. Libby was absolutely a hero to law enforcement for thinking to get this during what would have been a terrifying ordeal. In a press conference of sorts, one of the officers says, there's no doubt in our minds that that young lady is a hero in reference to the evidence that she left on her phone. Unfortunately, though, the picture quality of the video and the voice, it's just not good enough to get it linked to anybody. And after about a month, Libby's grandfather speaks for the first time. So this just gives you a picture of where are their families at with this whole ordeal. Right. He was heartbroken, and he pled for anyone to come forward with information. Law enforcement at this time also alerted the public that while looking for this person that they have now seen in picture, maybe video by that point. I'm unsure of what they had unleashed at this very moment in time that I'm talking about. But they said, look, when you are thinking about people that could be involved in this, did anybody travel suddenly? Did anybody change the way they look suddenly? Dye their hair, shave a beard really unexpectedly? Think about why and can we link it to this video and this voice? They wanted to find this guy so badly, and they really needed the public's help at this point. They needed to also breathe a bit of new life into this case. It had been a month. They also confirmed to the public that they have more audio and video than just down the hill. And as we know from P. Holes, down the hill turned into, guys, 
down the hill. That to me, if I may just tangent for one moment, makes me feel as though he was acting like a teacher to them. Yes. Like, hey, I'm in charge of this park and you girls are doing something wrong. You need to get off this bridge. I'm a parks and rec officer. Get off the bridge. You know, that kind of thing. It has an authoritarian vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yes. He's telling them, he's taking control of the situation. Guys, down the hill. It's not, will you please go down the hill? Ladies, excuse me. No, it's him confronting them and giving them an order. Exactly. If we can play that audio, we'll put it here. Every time I hear it, it gives me the creeps. It's just frustrating because they can't get it linked. Right. And I think because of that, that this is why they decided to go ahead and release more audio, at least to the family. Abby's mother was given access to this other audio that the public, again, did not have access to. And she claimed it really didn't help reveal much to her in terms of, oh, yeah, that sounds like such and such, or, oh, this reveals this to me. She was still kind of in the same spot of, I have video of the last person to see my child alive, probably. Libby in the video that Abby's mother is talking about says something to the effect of, because again, they're not playing it. It's Abby's mother talking about it. Libby's explaining that the path ends here, so we can't go any farther. So they are having some form of interaction with this guy again, but that's all we get released to us as the public. It's almost surprising that she was able to relay that information in an Mm -hmm. interview because I've never heard that anywhere else. She did this in an interview on the ID show Still a Mystery, and the episode is called Down the Hill. So I thought that that was pretty amazing too, considering, again, that they have only released that they have more video and audio stuff, not that they're releasing to the public. So, um, And the fact that they've specifically said they're withholding this information because mm-hmm. it could lead to the possible killer. Yeah, I think it's just kind of out there a little bit more now, that particular piece. Again, knowing what and when law enforcement has released stuff is not going to be the easiest thing to uh, time piece out. But yes, she did talk about that, but they did not play it specifically on the video. So I think we can know about it, but we don't get, for whatever reason, we don't specifically get to see video or hear it. So now we're a month in to the case. Yes. Where is the investigation going? It's at the point of, hey, public, please try and help us link this person. And also, here's a $200,000 reward for information leading to the solving of this case. And we have more information and more videos, but we can't show them to you. That's where we are. So now we'll fast forward five months down the line, July 2017. Police released a sketch that was created thanks to witnesses that claim they saw the man pictured in the video and photograph that was created from that video on that fateful day. Two months later, in September, another break of sorts comes up. They arrested a man 
a thousand miles away in southwest Colorado after he'd threatened people with a hatchet on a hiking trail. Ugh. His mugshot resembles the sketch that was released in July. And he had recently failed to register as a sex offender in Indiana. So we know he's an Indiana local because right. you register where you live. That's correct. Okay. So this was enough for police to attempt to connect him to the girl's murder and go out to Colorado, which they did. So he became a person of interest. And like I said, police head out to speak with him or investigate what they could. But is he the guy? And I asked that same question. I'm going, okay, but is this their guy? Is he the murderer? And after spending time with him and investigating that possibility, he was not connected. He was not the one. This was the first of many devastating roller coaster revolutions for the family and community in this case. As Abby's mom explains in an interview that I was watching, they would get information that they might have some guy, such as what just happened. Mm -hmm. And then she would get phone calls of like, oh my gosh, is it him? Do you have any updates? Have you talked to them? What's going on? Where, blah, 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 blah. Which was already exhausting for her, you know, all this whole thing. Absolutely. Of course. And she was reliving it to the nth degree, just time after time after time, finding these guys that might be it. And it just never was. Another year goes by while on that roller coaster and the police are kind of stumped. Then in January 2019, just before the second anniversary of the murders of Abby and Libby, another sex offender is arrested 100 miles from where the girls were found. The sketch looks similar to how this guy looks, the sketch from July. And it's more similar, in my opinion, than the first guy. and. This guy was kind of giving them the you could have done it vibes as well because his social media was filled with posts related to sex crimes and missing young people. What? So this guy is giving them vibes that they need to look into him. He's reposting articles and things like that. Anyways, this this man reposted on Facebook, the flyer from the county sheriff regarding Abby and Libby's case. It showcased the photo. Libby took the sketch and the reward, and it has like a little QR code to link you to maybe a website or a hotline, something like that. So he reposted it, and he added, pass it around. Could be anywhere. However, what does that mean? We don't know, because this was just, once again, one of those roller coaster revolutions that this family and community was taken on. And three months later, police headed in a different direction, stating that they have new information. They believe that the killer was between the ages of 18 and 40 from Delphi specifically. That's huge to know that... That it's someone from the community that could have possibly been, and I'm using air quotes, looking for them that night. Right. It's huge that they have reason to believe he's from that specific area. They released more footage and audio from Libby's phone. This may be the part where P. Holes was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They also released a new sketch. This sketch is so much different than the original sketch. It's almost night and day. I mean, the first sketch appears to be a man who's clearly 
middle-aged. Yeah, maybe 50. Maybe, at minimum. And then this new sketch is a fresh-faced young person. I mean, I don't know how they could get two different suspect drawings out of the same video. It's crazy to me. That just tells you whatever information that they had received, maybe through the tip line or however they got it, was big enough for them to say, sit with a sketch artist. Mm Mm-hmm. And do it now. Like, this is a big movement in the case. It was a little disappointing for the family. Like, are we starting over? But here we are. In I believe they even held a major press conference to release this information. That would have been their best route to release the information. In late August 2019, after over a thousand interviews... And 40,000 tips, at least, the police superintendent released a scathing public televised statement to the murderer that showed his frustration. He couldn't even come close to hiding his anger and was just, of course, still, you know, calling on the public, etc. Emotions remain raw as the search for the murderer remains. The killer of Abby and Libby is still out there. And the emotion that the police superintendent expressed is really how the whole community is feeling. I mean, this is a group of people that know someone among them did this horrible deed and is hiding in plain sight. I I can't imagine. Absolutely. And just losing such young little lives. To commemorate the girls, the community is constructing a 20-acre Memorial Park called Abby and Libby Memorial Park. It is set to open this year and it had begun construction back in spring of 2019. So it's been being worked on for quite a while. The NBA All-Star 21 host committee also announced in February of 2020 that it would award a 50,000 all-star legacy grant to the foundation to help the construction of the sports complex, which is that Memorial park I was talking about. And I want to leave us today with two quotes as y'all know, I love to do. Kelsey is stated as saying three years ago today, was my last real day with my best friend, and I wish I could have done it differently. I miss you. That was on the three-year mark. And this tells you where the community is at today, this quote. We continue to actively investigate all tips and leads we receive by phone and email. This type of violent crime cannot and will not go unanswered. And that is from law enforcement. So if you or anybody you know has information about the murderer, go ahead and contact the Delphi Police Department. Yes. Also, if you would like to donate to the construction of the Abbey and Libby Memorial Park, I have the website linked in the show notes and there is a donate button on the website that you can click and use PayPal securely to do so. That's where we'll leave it today. Until our next episode, you can find us at the Murder Diaries Pod on Instagram, at the Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com, at the Murder Diaries Podcast.com. Don't be a stranger. We love to hear from you. And you guys know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep 
the good content flowing. And until then, better safe than dead. Bye. Bye. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.